actually I've I've got a better one. So I I heard this anecdote where the the first time NASA built a space shuttle, they had to make the boosters much smaller than they actually wanted to make them. Why? Because the boosters had to travel from point A to point B on a railroad through a tunnel that went through the mountains. And the tunnel went through the mountains was like a certain width and they couldn't make the booster any bigger than that, right? It was just it's the only way to transport it, right? Huh. Okay. You with me so far? I I am. So NASA wanted to make bigger rocket, can't make bigger rocket, must make small rocket. So so instead of doing one large booster which would have had, you know, whatever effect on the launch performance or who knows, right? They had to make like multiple smaller ones. And that's the reason why the space shuttle has those two initial boosters on each side of the main fuel tank two or well isn't it like three on each like three little little cones and whatever it's fine um (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't actually matter but so so it's like you you have this you have this very you know basically the most advanced transportation technology humanity has ever invented constrained by this much older one but it actually gets worse than that the gauge of the railroad was based on the gauge of um, wagon wheels. Of like, course, it was like in England because that's that's where all of their so so there there's some oh, I forget the connection now, but but it was basically like all the original train engineers um, were all basing their gauges on on the width of wagon wheels. Um, okay. And, you know, they'd used wagon wheels for however many hundreds of years. Um, all the grooves and all the roads were cut according to the wagon wheels. Sure. And the width of the wagon wheel um, goes all the way back to the roads in Rome, um, which were determined by the width of a horse's ass. You're listening to the Proof Partners podcast. For more information, check out proofpartners.io. I, nice. I, I kid you not. So the the width <laughs> so so the dimensions of the rocket boosters on the space shuttle were determined all the way back by the width of the uh, a horse's ass in of a Roman imperial war horse. That's incrementalism, where it's like you just keep building on things of the past and you're constrained by those things hmm. sometimes you just have to burn it all i was to the talking ground. well i so i was talking i was talking to a founder yesterday it was it was a really fascinating conversation and essentially talking about the same kind of concept of of here's here's the industry he wants to 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 go after and it was, you know, had to do with APIs and connecting data and ETLs and so on things. Yeah. And and the the premise of the conversation was based on the constraints of today. And, you know, I, I immediately I immediately sort of picked up on it because the context of the conversation brought it back to the, the target audience and, and, and how he was gonna go to market and so on and so forth. And you know, it it's there's no there's no fault in 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 being that way. I think we all do it. Right? Yeah. Whether it's NASA or, or or myself as a founder or any other founder, I think we're all we all do it to some extent. But 
being from the outside looking in, it's it's a little bit easier to say, well, wait, you know, these are these are fundamental assumptions that don't have to be that don't have to be there. Right. But burning it all down isn't an option either. You can't, you know, the rocket has to go through the mountain. The railroad is there. You are trying to get somebody to the moon, you know, in in 1950s. Yo, yeah, look, I'm not, you can't always do it. And by the way, calling yourself a founder feels a little bit pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all founders? We're founders of our lives. This more, (laughs) (laughs) we're founders of our lives, man. Um, I pawed around and found the coffee machine. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think the difference is, um, and sometimes you can't, right? Sometimes the the constraints are such that you just can't, um, at least not in your approach. I, I think there's there's two different ways to think about it. One is sort of being blue sky in in your vision of where you want to go and one is um mm-hmm. in how you get there so i i think like um like for example the iphone before that came out it was a total paradigm shift everybody was in you know you know blackberry is like all you think about in terms of the creme de la creme for mobile you know computing if you can even call it that right um mobile computing right. fancy telephony whatever right so, so there, there's two different, sure. and <laughs> actually this is sort of a counter example of, of the, you know, the process, the, you know, burning it down in terms of the process, um, yeah. or anti, anti-incrementalism. So I watched the, um, the, the general magic documentary recently, um, where they're basically trying to build the iPhone, you know, 17 years before the iPhone. That's great. Yeah, and they, great and they failed. They crashed and burned. I mean, they had, right. They got close. Like, you know, if you look at the technology of the day versus what they were able to turn out, they did a pretty good job. But it was, you know, way over schedule, way over budget. And they never ended up going to the market because the stupid Newton, whatever. Right. They, they they didn't realize that what they were really doing was just prep work for their next big job. No, they didn't. And but then when it's when, a great documentary, by the way, everybody should yes, everybody should watch absolutely. if you're interested in it. Like it's just it's two hours of these of these technologists just fighting against the the constraints of of the day's infrastructure, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like you know, touch screens don't exist. You know, LEDs are brand new. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's horrible. It's excruciating. <laughs> yeah, um, mobile networks have never heard of this thing, and you know, <laughs> exactly, they're trying to do data over over you know non digital networks. Yeah, what what they actually did, just in terms of coordinating the number of vendors and people who hate each other sitting at the same table in a conference room, like that is like forget the technical achievements. They pulled that off. Like, you yeah, know, which is oftentimes harder Sony than, than and the Sony tech. and Samsung. Yeah, no kidding. But so, so they were, they got so close. And who knows? Maybe with another, you know, six months or a year or whatever, they would have done it. But um, Steve Jobs turns around, you know, 17 years later, um, hiring one of the main engineers, Tony Fadell, which who who we know, which was really cool to see. Um, yep. He hires him, says, hey, um, I want to build a music player. And it was the iPod. And right. he knew at the time that the, f- that the iPhone is where it was going to end up. However many years later. What was it, like five? Was the iPod like 2001 or 
something like that. The Five. first one, yeah, it had 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 a little mechanical disc in it. It was amazing. It had one yeah. of those little hard drives. Yeah, it actually, like spun up. It, right, I had one. I had yeah, one. Yeah, I, I remember the FireWire and all. It was great. Yeah, yeah, you um, drop it and you're toast. Yeah, um, yeah, but he knew. He knew back then that so so in a way getting into the music player market was really just a way to ship a product that he would eventually pivot to a phone which is also a music player but that wasn't right. the important he, part he he wanted a computer that you could hold in your hand yeah right so it was it was um the ipad well there was the newton first of all yeah he tried that 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 was way before its time and failed kind of before it was premature well that was before steve came back and he scrapped all the products except for like four um, right. So his, I, I don't even think he cared about the Newton. He actually cared about Alan Kay's idea of, of the Dynabook. And which, yeah, to your point, is why the iPad was actually the first product that he wanted to do, but the technology wasn't there yet. So I'm assuming right. that's why he's like, okay, we're going to do a music player that's eventually going to turn into a phone. I think this goes, for me, this goes back to one of the one of the other conversations that we were having about not just first principle thinking and kind of throwing throwing out the established playbook and getting back to the to the very the very basics which is also important we could do a, we could do probably a whole series on that but yeah the the idea that when you when you have a goal as a business it has to be audacious enough that it gives you room within the various sub projects or sub ideas to to navigate them. Yeah. In other words, if the if the if the goal if if all Steve Jobs had to continue with the Steve Jobs example, which is not my favorite thing to do, but if all <laughs> if if all Steve Jobs had in his head was a mobile music player, yeah, he probably would have come out with a slightly better Walkman. Right. And everybody would have said exactly what they said when the iPod launched, which which is what's this? It's you know. Right. Not not particularly impressive compared to anything else on the market. Right. And it's the same thing with Elon Musk, which is kind of where we started, right? Which is, you know, he, he decides he wants to create an electric car for, for various reasons. He puts it on a Lotus sports car chassis, turns into this massive multi-year struggle, and the, the performance is um, impressive in some ways, but completely lackluster in others. If, right. if that is all he wanted to do was make a two-seater roadster that happened to have an electric motor in it, then, you know, that's where Tesla's journey would have gotten very, very difficult. Right. Exactly. Because you can't, you can't sustain that on a, you can't, there's not even a point to that level of innovation on such a constrained vision. But there's, so there's, there's two difficulties with this. So first is how do you do that? How do you come up with the idea of where you want to go that's big enough to sustain you through all of the twists and turns of business, but not so big that it's impossible to communicate to yourself or others and, and believe in? That's the first one. And then the, the second one is how do you do that outside of physical products right both of the examples that we've we've brought up are, are physical products how do you do that with with tech okay um communicating the vision well so so okay communicating the vision that's kind of the first articulating and communicating the vision sure 
Okay. Um, I mean, it depends on the vision. Like, I don't think it's that hard because, like, um, I don't know. What's a good example? Where it's like uh, compute well, even ubiquitous computing. That's that's kind of a physical hardware one. I, I think no, I think it is hard. So I, I run into business all the time where the the most that they can they can communicate the, the the most detail that they can get about about what it is that they're doing is it you know make more money. <laughs> yeah, well that's uh, that's that's confusing the the outcome with the byproduct, which I think is a whole that's its own topic. Um, but they do that because that's what they can see. Yeah. That's a, that's a vision. They, so they go, you know, and they pick a number, right? Because they want the number to be big enough. Right. And, you know, so maybe they're making $10 today. They want to make a hundred dollars tomorrow and it's, you know, it's a 10 X or whatever. And that's their, that's their vision. And it doesn't, it doesn't go beyond that. Well, I don't think that's going to inspire people. It doesn't inspire, you know, colleagues, doesn't inspire customers. And it's going to come out like it's going to come out in the things that you do. People are going to see it. Nobody's going to care. Um, oh, I agree with that. I, I think I think the real challenge is for people who have very, very abstract visions that aren't aren't necessarily disconnected from reality, but are so far removed from what the norm and the standard is today that you actually can't get people to see it or it's extremely difficult because there's so much, I mean, there's so much packed into your own head that it's like, how do you get that out? How do you translate that into words or into pictures so that you can put it into somebody else's head? Um, I don't know if I have any good advice for that. I don't know if I have any advice for that. <laughs> all right well what about the second one i i might i might have some ideas on that i oh i think i've okay i've spent i've spent a lot of time thinking about how to how to vision cast just in general from you know for my own life but also in in the context of of building businesses and and you know you, people have like the the big hairy audacious goal you know right. there's a whole book about that and so on and it it's it's an art it's not a science yeah. and i you know it, it's a different it's also a different podcast so we sh we we needn't go into it but yeah in in brief it's essentially you've you've got to you ha you personally as a leader have to have a really strong sense of what you want to accomplish with your life in general yeah i think that's really important to keep you from becoming um like the like the we work guy um <laughs> You know, and, and maybe he has it. I don't know. That's maybe that's not really fair. But it's it's, it's people who burn fair. out, people who burn out, or or have you know one idea in the chamber. I think it's they they lack at a personal level. I think they lack. So their identity is their business. Yeah, is is what I'm saying. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, you have to piece that out, and and make it more digestible. So you have to have like go back to the apple example you have to have the imac as a vision you have to have all of these other things that people can grasp onto and go after for years yeah and years and invest their personal time in and then you know tie all of those things together in this broader vision of of innovation or you know products that change lives or however you want to go not definitely not innovation because that's too broad but you get yeah. the point also what about the technology side of it such a buzzword um, oh, yeah. in, in terms of actually doing it? 
Well, sure. You've you've got a number of things that you've worked on over the course of actually of your career. I, I I do have a couple of ideas for for the vision thing. One is to articulate a goal that like a goal in terms of the outcome of of what happens when you when you ship this thing that is so outside the norm. Like you know we've we've talked about the idea of like a piece of software that it takes you know a team of ten people six months to ship. One pe- one person should be able to do that in a week, right? And you can't even think about that in terms of today's paradigm of making software. You have to throw out pretty much everything you know in order to even envision that, right? So that's one way of explaining something is in terms of an outcome that's like impossible by today's standards. Because it forces you because huh. it forces you to confront and sort of discard your own assumptions about how things are done today right 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 yep and the the other way the other way is to talk about the experience of the person doing the thing so what i mean is like um like to to reuse the software example it's it's like writing software is a lot of hours of just like banging your head against the keyboard we're just just tinkering, just tinkering to try to get something to work, just over and over, over again on this, you know, these individual like pieces of minutia that add up to a whole, right? Sure. Yeah. So so that that's describing an experience, and you can sort of put yourself in those shoes and and think about that experience, especially if you've had it. Um, but compare that to to saying, you know, making software should be like playing jazz. Like that's a totally different experience. You're, you know, you have an instrument mm. that you're good at, that you enjoy, and you're just up there on stage having fun. Like that's a completely different experience. And your 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 point being that that if you have that as your audacious goal, then the rest of it sort of falls into place. Yeah, kind of, be, because it's. You can put that out there and communicate that to people, and that becomes an organizing principle, especially in contrast to something else. Does this feel like tinkering with minutia, or does this feel like playing jazz? Like, well, which one? And that's that's your lens through which you can evaluate different product decisions, different technology decisions. So, yep, yeah, okay. I guess I do have some ideas. I just had to hear your ideas first, and then I thought about <laughs> why mine were better. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's like it's like host. It it. <laughs> we have this joke that's emerging with, when Pete and I both host, and it's it's along the same lines. Oh, I have an idea. As long as my idea is the best idea, <laughs> I like my idea the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know what? My it, my idea is just it's a tri- okay. it's a tricky thing to do. Not well, you know. You, I think the wrestling through it. Yeah. So to to make it to make it a little bit more accessible, maybe to myself, is is when you work when you work through it, it forces you to to refine what it is you're doing and why you're doing it, and even that m- modest amount of effort is oftentimes super valuable and more than a lot of other people do right and so just being thoughtful i think is is kind of enough i'm gonna write that down being thoughtful check 
Check, done. Check, check that yeah. off the yeah. list. <laughs> Startup success done. <laughs> um, no, so so the the technology one is really interesting because there's a way in which it does kind of harken back to the Roman Empire versus spatial example where. Like the the terminal that I'm running on my computer right now, um, the the interface for um, for it is based off of um, I believe the TRS-80, which is from something okay. like 1978. Like it's the same it's the same software specification for sure. for input output, you know, etc. Um, and that's that's why most editors are configured to 80 characters because that that was the width of the screen. Um, Gary Bernhardt huh. actually gives a really, really good talk about this called um, uh, A Whole New World. I, I highly encourage everyone to look at it. I'm, I'm about to ruin it for you because it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but his, his idea is he, he makes a brand new um, like terminal-based editor that's sort of like Vim, um, but completely different because you can, you can load up a, you know, a, a code file, source code you can load up a file source code um gosh talking um and then overlay it with all these different things like recent crashes from based on production logs um and, and then he does this one crazy one where it's like um here's the graph and it's actually shows like a you know raster graphics graph of of how all the files are related right um, sure and it's like that's not a thing you can do in terminal so he, he's basically going through like, I wrote an editor. Oh, yeah. And to support the editor, I wrote a brand new terminal. Um, <laughs> and um, he's like, I wrote all these things. And then um, he's like, and then he gets to the end of the talk and he's like, all of this was a lie. I did it all in Keynote. <laughs> but his point was, it's like all of these things are possible and we should be at at least here at least this point in in terms of how we interact with with technology and and the fact that we aren't is because no one has gone back and redone any of this stuff is there where we're we're really close but briefly how do you go back and redo stuff you know this this is my challenge as a product kind of more of a product person yeah is is i don't i don't actually want to rebuild the railroad to get my rocket into space maybe you should i look i want <laughs> to rebuild the railroad i yeah. just don't want to rebuild the railroad as part of my space project <laughs> yeah um I, I think it's i i think that um dividing line is going to be different for everybody some projects are big enough that you can fit rebuilding the railroad or at least a section of it comfortably into scope um I think it forces you to, well, there's a couple of different things, but one is you, you need like a first principles reason about where you're going and why and what the outcome is supposed to look like. And then everything else is just kind of like budget, right? So it's budget like, well, well, yeah. well, can, can we move the rocket booster, um, you know, via highway? Like, can we just close the highways? for however many miles can can we manufacture them somewhere else so so it's like you start from first principles with the vision and then you start from first principles in terms of like okay what are 
actually all of our options not like what do we think all of our options are but what are actually all of our options just purely based on our physical constraints how do we change those constraints sure yeah and there's lots of yep. ways to do that right right and in it what's the name of that that book uh the constraint is where you win or something like that oh the, the obstacle is the way yeah yeah yeah, it's actually, if, if you turn it on its head, it's super powerful. I didn't really like that book very much. I was going to say, I thought you hated that book. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it very much. Everybody yeah. made it into a big deal, and I didn't really like it. Yeah. Sorry to poor guy who wrote it. Everybody um, should read Essentialism instead. Save your time. Yeah, that, I think that's more it. I think there's just so many other really great books out there. And, and for two years... We should probably end on this. But for two years, there was this whole plethora of books that got written around one tiny little idea. And then they just stuffed, you know, 150 pages. Yeah. It started to really irritate me. Could have been a blog post. Could have been an email to your friend. <laughs> in, in private. <laughs> Gosh, tell me how you really feel. Oh, poor guy. I, I, I'll i probably cut all that out. Anyway. Okay. No, don't I, cut it out. I, I, uh, maybe I won't. That that's it. It's eight thirty three. Uh, we've got. A, I'm going to trim this down to about twenty five minutes, so we can stop recording. Cool. Have fun.